You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, great to to have you uh, here in person, those watching online, and a big shout out to everyone at all the different shelters at Auburly and 2nd Avenue and Center for Victims and uh, McKeesport uh, Downtown Housing. Thank you for joining us and being with us. Give it up for you guys where you're at. Can you give it up for them this morning? And uh, what, what you just heard is one of our Calvary Cares projects, and throughout this month, we're gonna be hearing some different updates from our different projects. And if you're not familiar, our Calvary Cares campaign, every year in February, we commit to these different projects to help further the mission of different organizations, ministries uh, around the world. And uh, the one you just heard, Teen Challenge, is located uh, in Cheswick, not too far from here. And we're uh, committed, we've committed $10,000 to redo their chapel. And um, as you heard, they learn a lot there. And uh, I would say it's, uh, some might refer to that space as a classroom of the Holy Spirit. It's a place where these men don't just experience freedom in Christ, but they learn how to live it out. And uh, what an incredible opportunity we have this year to help create a space for them that is welcoming and where they can remove all barriers and obstacles to hear what God is speaking to them. So thank you for giving to our Calvary Cares campaign, allowing us to do that. In the next few weeks, you'll get to hear some of our other incredible projects that we're doing, so we're just grateful for that. Uh, Last uh, few things here real quick. Uh, I wanna make sure we mention this. Uh, This past week, um, we had an exciting opportunity Two of uh, the pastors here on staff uh, received credential upgrades, if you will. Uh, Pastor Michael Cole over here got his uh, certification, certified credential. And Pastor Sharon Pohl was ordained, which is exciting. That's exactly what they did, and the service was perfect. So embarrassing, it was great. And um, I love that we can be a church where we get to see Becky and Carla earlier as they're walking through their ministerial internship, that we get to be part of every stage of helping people fulfill their calling and mission. And for some of you, that's not to be a pastor, and that's okay, you don't have to be. For some of you, that's being a minister in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your home. Um, but we get to help fulfill that in every level. And I'm so grateful that we can be part of a church where not only are we seeing pastors getting ordained, but we're also seeing people take steps to learn at a school of ministry and to, to do internships. And thank you for being a church like that, that uh, we talk about often we're here to lead people into an overflowing life with Jesus. And what does that mean? That means that what God is doing in you, he eventually does through you. And we get to help equip people to not just experience what God can do in you, but also what he can do through you. And I promise you it is far more remarkable than anything you can imagine. And uh, man, have you guys enjoyed summer? Like yesterday? (laughs) I feel like in the last week we've experienced almost all seasons. Like I think we had fall. Uh, I saw on Tuesday it snowed seven springs. I was ready to pull my skis out. And, uh, but they said it was closed. I don't understand. we had, we've had all seasons here, and now hopefully uh, summer is here to stay until Memorial Day. Um, so uh, today, uh, one, we're going to be kicking off a new series called The Safest Place on Earth. And uh, next week, we're going to be continuing that on Mother's Day. And if you are a mom or uh, your mom doesn't uh, come here or, or, or just a family in general, we're going to be having free family photographs before and after service next week uh, in honor of Mother's Day. Uh, I can tell you for us, this is the one professional uh, 
family photograph we get every year. It's the only one. And we, you know, corral the kids for one brief moment to get a really nice picture. So uh, if you want, you can sign up for a time slot. If you go to connect.calvaryroom.com, click events, and you can do that so you don't have to wait. You can, like, sign up for a time slot and get a really good quality professional family uh, photograph. So that'll be next week, and we'll have gifts for all the the women as well. Uh, We have a a special coffee uh, truck if you will, like a food truck, but coffee. So if you like coffee, next week's gonna be your, your week. I don't like coffee. I'm fingers crossed hoping they have tea. Um, if they don't, I have a plan. I'm dumping tea bags on them. It'll be my own little, you know, Boston tea party right here in Irwin. It's my way of protesting. Anyway, just joking. Um, so today, we're kicking off this new series uh, called Safest Place on Earth. And uh, throughout this month, uh, the, the book, or the series is really based on a book that was written by Larry Crabb. Uh, it was released in 1999 called The Safest Place on Earth. Um, he re-released the book in 2007, and it's called Becoming a True Spiritual Community. Um, I like the title of the first one, but he released it. You can't really get the old one as well. Um, but throughout this month, uh, for anyone who's a first-time guest, if you stop by the Connection Center, you can get a free copy of the book, Becoming a True Spiritual Community. If you're not a first-time guest, I would strongly encourage you, man, pick it up on Amazon. It is a really good book. It's deep, um, but man, really challenging. What Larry Crabb shares is really insightful and helpful. So it's called Becoming a True Spiritual Community, or if you can track down the old version, uh, The Safest Place on Earth by Larry Crabb. And I uh, as we kind of walk through this, I want to share a little discovery that I've had. Now, we all have experienced the last three or four years differently. For some people, the last three or four years was maybe a good time, depending on the industry that you work in. And for many of us, this was a really trying time. This was a difficult time. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, the last four years, going back to 2019, even before COVID hit, have been four of the most difficult years of my life. Uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like I've earned a four-year bachelor's degree in pain. Uh, I'm hoping it's not a master's. <laughs> Fingers crossed, and please, not a PhD. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't know if you've, you're in that place, but I, I'll tell you that's how I feel. Um, I, I've had people disappoint me at levels I never thought were possible. Um, as some of you know, I lost my, one of my biggest cheerleaders and fans in my life, my father, in these last four years. Um, I've watched people that I care deeply about walk out of my life. Some of them walk out of the church. Others at times say things behind my back that are really painful. Uh, These are people you care for. Maybe you've been in that place before. Uh, You know, as a pastor, I've faced uh, decisions that I was never trained for, uh, that I never expected to ever have to make. Uh, It's still hard to fathom that we didn't meet in person here for months and months. Um, that's just wild. And uh, I've, uh, in our church, I've watched hundreds of people leave our church. There have been periods where we are thousands and thousands of dollars short of where we need to be financially. There are times that we've worked really, really hard and, and prayerfully planned and prepared for things that just blew up in our face. And, and I'm thankful that God is so, so incredibly good and faithful And because of that, that's not where we are today as a church. That's not where I am today as a person. Um, But it's been a really confusing time. Uh, It's it's a time where we've experienced deep struggle, inner turmoil. It's kind of these times, at least for me, that uh, one of the ancient Spanish mystics, St. John of the Cross, referred to as the dark night of the soul. 
don't know if, you, if that puts words to maybe something you've experienced before. But it's those moments where it feels like things can't get any worse and you're, you're so low and so difficult and so things are so dark. And, and this is where I've been. And, and as your pastor, you know, I'm not here to impress you. I'm not here to show you that I've got it all figured out. I'm not here to tell you that, you know, I'm the best at all things or I'm even the smartest. I, I promise you I'm not the smartest person in this room uh, and I'm not the best at everything in this room. But my hope is to pull back the curtain a little bit and to kind of share with you my own journey uh, through pain and through brokenness and what that's looked like. And, and, and ultimately, the things that I've discovered in that journey. And, and what I've discovered is something that Larry Crabb refers to in the book, uh, The Safest Place on Earth or Becoming a True Spiritual Community. And, and over the next few weeks, that's what we wanna walk through. Uh, next week for Mother's Day, we're gonna be talking about understanding our struggles and we're gonna be kind of doing a little panel discussion with some moms and I'm gonna be facilitating. Uh, it'll be really awesome, different. Uh, the week after that, we're gonna be talking about mangers or mystics. And uh, you'll have to come that week to kind of hear what that's about and then we're gonna close out the series talking about it's worth the risk. Uh, and the question is, what is the safest place on earth? What is that? Is that our home? Is that just to ourselves? I, I think for many of us, the safest place on earth is when we're by ourselves. We feel like no one can threaten us. No harm can come our way. We're dealing with our own self. But what is the safest place on earth? And that's kind of what I've discovered. You know, in our, in our brokenness and pain, in our both most difficult moments, one of our tendencies, this is kind of our human nature, is to fix what's broken. You've probably been there. If you have kids, I'm sure you've been there. Um, we fix what's broken, like, right? That's, that's what we do. Human beings, we are fixers. We fix the things that are broken in our lives. If our, if our marriage is falling apart, what do we do? We work on it. Maybe we go see a counselor with our spouse. Maybe we see a counselor individually. We, we work harder at overcoming our own downfalls and shortcomings. Maybe it's our, our anger or our response to things or, or our words or, or whatever it may be. Understanding love languages of our spouses. Our spouse, not spouses. That'd be weird, right? <laughs> um, we work on it though. If, we're bro- if something's broken, we work on it, right? Uh, or, or maybe if you're uh, you know, anxious about your job, or how your boss is seeing your work ethic, you work harder to impress that boss. You work harder to try to overcome that anxiety and what you're facing. Or if you're you know, uh, facing circumstances that are increasingly chaotic and uncertain, what do we try to do? We try to gain control of it. You know, This is one of the lessons I think of 2020, 2021 is we have far less control than we think we do in our lives and our circumstances and it's more about adapting to what's happening. But, but that's our natural human tendency to try to fix things, to try to get control. When you face uh, things that, that, that rock your world, when you come face to face with your own shortcomings, we try to dig in. We double down and we try to get better at it. Whatever, whatever it might be. And, and my discovery is that this approach this natural human approach to fixing what's broken in our lives is deeply flawed. I know that sounds really weird. <laughs> like, how can it be flawed? Like, that's what we do. We fix things. Um, but it's not that fixing things is horribly wrong, but in trying to fix things and trying to fix what's wrong in our lives, we never allow the pain and the brokenness that we're experiencing to do its deep work in our heart, in our lives, in our soul. There's a deep work that pain and brokenness can actually do in us. That when we band-aid it, when we fix it, we actually never experience. And, and here's just a simple thought that's kind of going to drive our, 
our brief time together today. And today's gonna be a little different. But this is a simple thought, that our brokenness reveals our deep need for God and our absolute necessity for each other. I'm gonna say that again. Our brokenness reveals our deep need for God and our absolute necessity for each other. That might run contrary to what you've been taught your entire life. I am my own person and I can depend on me. I've heard people say this oftentimes when they're frustrated. I guess I have to do it all myself. I guess I'm the one that has to do it all the time. Well, that's a lie and that's not a good thing to reinforce. Why? Because we need each other. Not that we are codependent uh, and we're like needy people, but we should be interdependent. And God intended for us to need each other. And I've been guilty of getting this wrong plenty of times as a pastor and as an individual. You know, I've sat with people who struggle with pornography, couples whose marriages are falling apart, young people who are striving and looking to find that Mr. or Mrs. Right. And in those moments, oftentimes, I, I listen to, to what they're walking through. And then I help them find and identify next steps to improve the circumstance and situation. And not that that's horribly wrong, uh, but, but I'm learning that this approach, while it makes logical sense, can completely miss the point. And let me get to that. See, what if our pain and the things that need fixed aren't problems that need solved, but rather are opportunities for us to experience deeper spiritual companionship? for us to experience something deeper than we ever thought was possible. Uh, C.S. Lewis, author C.S. Lewis, he makes this statement, this quote, and I think is so uh, incredible. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, uh, put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. I'll say that again. Put first things first and second things are thrown in. Put second things first and you lose both first and second things. And, and here's the deal. We oftentimes are guilty of putting second things first. That's what we do all the time. We often feel our first things are to be, our, our first thing, our first responsibility is to fix what's wrong, to make it right, to make it work better. Uh, the Apostle Paul was uh, really good at this. He spent a good portion of his life working hard to do all of the right things. And he did them well. In fact, if you read some of his epistles, his writings in the, in the New Testament, he talks about that according to the, the Jewish law, he was perfect. Can you imagine being perfect? He was perfect. But he came to this revelation, this, this, this conclusion. The conclusion was focusing on fixing everything, fixing what was broken is actually missing the point of it all. And, and this is what he wrote about uh, when he wrote to the Philippian church. It's recorded in Philippians chapter three, uh, in verse, verses, seven through, uh, verses seven through 11. Here's what, what the apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church. He said, for it is, oh, where am I at here? Now I missed my spot. What verse is it? Verse seven, not three, I'm sorry. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And um, we can all say that, whatever gains, like whatever things I've accomplished are a loss for, for knowing Christ. But you have to understand what the Apostle Paul had gained. He gained a lot. He had the best degree, trained under the best teacher, Gamaliel. He had grown up in the best family. His father was a religious leader, just like he had become. 
Paul was respected, revered by the religious people all over the Roman Empire. He had gained a lot. He had gained reputation with the people that he cared about the most. He had accomplished all this. And now he's saying, what I gained is all a loss for knowing Christ. And here's what goes on, verse eight. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And, and that, that word uh, garbage is translated garbage in the New International Version. And if you go into the original Greek there, it's rubbish or dung, like poop, okay? Um, if we're allowed to say that. Like, he's getting down to the core of it. Like, this is what I consider everything that I've accomplished compared to Christ. And he, he goes on. That I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, or the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Man, the Apostle Paul here is making some pretty bold statements. He's saying all of this is a loss. What, what is the most important thing? What is the first things in his life? Knowing Christ. That's the first thing. And, and when we put these things in perspective and priority, it changes how we go about life. Do you know that God never intended for you to fix all of your problems, issues, or struggles in your life? Like he never expected you to do that. We weren't put on this earth to reach perfection or to hit this point where we experience like the, the beauty and wonder of utopia in our lives, where everything's right and perfect. God never intended that for any of us. And, and this is incredibly difficult, but it's an, an incredibly transformative discovery that I think we each need to come to. See, fixing our problems and minimizing our pain might provide like a, a momentary respite uh, and, and from the brokenness that's deep within our souls. As Christians, we've gotten really good at fixing things. We get really good at fixing the surgery. We get really good at fixing the things that seem like uh, this is gonna make it better. Maybe it's how we act or speak. Maybe it's what we do or don't do. We're good at that. But God isn't asking us to fix things. He's asking us to know him more. And that is an entirely different thing. In all of the pain of my last few years, in some of those dark night of the soul moments, I've come to this conclusion that all the energy I put out to fix things isn't worth the effort of simply knowing God more. Like, if, if I can just work at knowing God more, it makes me right. And things kind of translate uh, over because I wasn't put on this earth to fix problems. Like my purpose here on earth isn't to fix the problems. My purpose here on earth isn't to be a good pastor. My purpose here on earth isn't even to be a good husband or a good father. Ultimately, whoa. Ultimately, my purpose here on earth is to know God more and in a deeper way. And that's true for you. That's true for you. My primary purpose, my first thing, is ultimately to glorify God and to trust him in the circumstances I find. That is my goal. Now, we are incredibly relational beings. I think this is gonna keep making noise, so I'm getting a mic. 
There we go. That won't make any noise. Our, our, our purpose here, my purpose, my first thing, your first thing, is ultimately to glorify God and to trust him with what's happening in our lives. We can't control it. I, man, I so wish we could control how our boss treats us, the trajectory of our career, what our kids do or say, where our finances are, what people around us are doing, the, the environment and society we find ourselves in. We, we, we can't control those things. But you know what we can do? We can pursue God with all of our being. And, and because we're relational beings, every obstacle, every situation is another opportunity to deepen our connection with God. And, and our brokenness doesn't just reveal our need for God, it also is one of the primary ingredients needed to experience the deepest, deepest level of relationships with others. Like we will be connected together with other people in ways that we could never imagine when we walk through pain and difficulty together. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You know those moments where things go south at work or family and the people you walk through that valley with become some of the closest, most important people in your life. Even if you don't see those people for years to come, the moment you see them, there's value and importance. I've, I've met people and interviewed people who, who have experienced near-death near experiences. And the first responders that came to them mean so much to them in a way that no other friend does because they walk through a, a scary moment, a difficult moment together. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 17, it, it even says this, that, that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. That, 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 that adversity binds us together. Adversity is an ingredient that uniquely connects us with others. You can't manufacture that. You can't make it up. It just happens. That, that's why meeting with, with couples, you know, one of the most difficult parts of marriage is how you deal with adversity, how you walk through adversity, how you process it. And it can either connect you together even better or it can set you apart even worse. Because adversity connects us together. And, and it's not that we're out here seeking difficulty. Like, I don't know about you. I don't want to find more pain. I don't know if any of you are that way. Um, we're not looking for pain. We're not looking to uh, experience more pain. But pain can have a purpose. Pain can connect us together. Uh, through difficulty and vulnerability, we are uniquely connected to God and to spiritual community. Uh, I love this quote from Larry Crabb in, in the book, uh, The Safest Place on Earth. He said this, a central task of community is to create a place that is safe enough for the walls to be torn down. Are we really good at putting walls up? A central task of community is to create a place that is safe enough for walls to be torn down. He goes on. Safe enough for each of us to own and reveal our brokenness. Only then can the power of connecting do its job. What's he saying? We can't truly, genuinely connect with other people until those walls come down. You have friends at work that you are surface friends with. You maybe have friends at church that you are surface friends with. People that you don't open up to. I'm not saying you can open up to everyone and you shouldn't. But you should open up to someone. He goes on. 
Only then can community be used of God to restore our souls. And there's the issue, our souls. And here's why I'm sharing this today. Because I believe deeply that we need to rethink spiritual community. In the American church, we have become the safest place on earth because we have become the fakest place on earth. It's safe because we never open up. Like we wear these masks. It's safe because we actually uh, portray to everyone around us, everything's awesome, it's great, like I'm amazing. And we never actually deal with our junk that's deeper. As long as we keep the mask on, everything seems fine. We never have to deal with our own longings to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. But God created what Paul refers to as the body of Christ, not for our religious exercise or for our practice, but he created this spiritual community that we call the church to be a place of deep connection, a place of deep healing, a place of deep support and encouragement for what we're walking through. Not a place where all of our problems are fixed, but a place where we journey together with other broken people drawing closer and closer to a God that loves us. And as the worship team comes today, we're gonna do something a little different. See, our first thing is pursuing God. That's our first thing for every single one of us. And as we make our first thing first, it changes us in ways that pursuing that big fix never could. When we're pursuing fixing all of the problems, we become the fix-it people. But when we pursue God, we allow him to change us and to transform us. Rather, when we're interacting with others, rather than asking the question, how can I help you fix what's wrong in your life? What if we started asking, how can we pursue Jesus together more effectively. You see, we are hollow people that simply need to be filled with the glory of God. We are not broken people that simply need glued back together. One of the main reasons spiritual community has become so rare in our world is because spiritual community demands our brokenness. Only broken people can share spiritual community. And what we miss oftentimes is that our role in coming to church and being part of the church, for those of you watching in the shelters, your, your role in, in coming and experiencing church today isn't simply experiencing something. It's not simply doing something. It's rather being willing to identify that I am a broken person and you are a broken person. And as broken people, we get to journey toward Jesus together. And if we miss that, we've missed the depth of what God intended spiritual community to be all about. This isn't about us coming to church. This isn't about us feeling better about ourselves. This is about us knowing God more and in deeper ways. And our pain and our brokenness reveals our need for him and our absolute necessity for community. And here's what I wanna to do today. And this is gonna be a little different. Let me prepare you. This might be uncomfortable for you, but it's okay. We're not here just to be comfortable. I want you in these next few moments to find three other people, two or three other people. For those of you here on the floor, these chairs unhook. 
I want you to unhook them and get in a little circle with three or four people. If you're up on the balcony, those pews do not unhook. Don't try. You can just turn around. If you're at one of the, the shelters, find someone else who's participating in church uh, with you. And I want you to take the next few moments and I want each of you to share one thing that is broken in your life. Now, you might be like, I don't know these people. I'm uncomfortable with that. You share what you are comfortable with. It might be, I have a hangnail that is broken in my life. It might mean I'm really struggling at work right now. One thing that is broken in your life, and I want everyone to be prayed for. This isn't a time to go into like your long, you know, three hour dissertation on everything that's wrong in your life. You've got like two minutes, okay? One thing that is broken in your life, and then I want everyone in that group to pray for them. And then one, and go around the circle. Three or four, groups of three or four, no more than that, okay? So the team's gonna play softly here. And I want you to do that. Unhook your seats. If you're like, I don't have anyone, I'm gonna sit right here in a chair and I'll be your three or one of your three or four, okay? So if you wanna to, to get up, find a group of people, unhook your chairs. If you're in the balcony, you can't unhook. Find a group and I want you to take just a few moments here and do that. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 